The text today is from Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes and shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. This has been the word of the Lord. Today is a special day in the life of these families and that we are Baby Dedication Sunday. Um, we have five children that, we are, that their parents have decided and covenanted with this community to dedicate them to the Lord. And we're starting um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go there. Um, in place of a sermon this morning, we're going to do three charges. A charge is basically an admonition. And we're going to, first of all, um, we're going to talk about charging the parents. So the parents of these children are the doorway to the kids by which these kids experience life in God. Secondly, we're going to charge the church, that the church be committing with these families to raise these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Finally, we're going to charge the families that are here, you have, those of you who are guests, and in particular, the grandparents of the children who are visiting us today. We appreciate your coming here. It's an honor for us to have you here. You're showing by you being here that you want to covenant along with your children that they, these children be raised to know the Lord. So um, when you welcome a child into the world, it's the most significant thing that you could ever do and the most significant role that you will ever have. When the stars fade, and the accomplishments of men are covered with the blowing sands of time, the soul of one single child will live forever. This one small child is of more value than all creation together and all that we might accumulate of this earth and more than all of our accomplishments. As Horton said, and Horton hears a who by Dr. Seuss, a person is a person, no matter how small. Every child is stamped with the image of God. Every child was made to glorify God and to know him. This is a glorious thing. Today, these parents are bringing five children before the church to dedicate them to the Lord. And in doing so, they acknowledge a few things. First of all, they acknowledge that these children are on loan from God. That these children, the soul of every human that comes into this world, belongs to God. From God we come and to God we return. We say this um, in North Africa, where I lived a long time, 
min Allah jayna wa Allah rajain, that we are going back to God. So they are making a promise to God in the eyes of these witnesses, a promise that has two parts. First of all, that they will raise their children in a home that's a godly home, not a home that's perfect, but a home that is following Christ. They are also committing to raise them in a gospel preaching church, one who knows and serves the Lord. The church is also committing to cooperate with these parents and to love these children as our own. For this reason, I wanna give these three short charges today. Now, um, Sydney's dad, Dale, was supposed to be here to give the first charge to the grandparents. And he is a grandfather of 11 children, 11 little grandchildren. And um, I asked him earlier in this week to talk to the grandparents about their role. Um, Susan, Dale's uh, mother, had to be admitted to the hospital yesterday with back, severe back pain. So I want to say a special prayer for her. Um, Sydney's going to be going along with Joe today to Ohio to visit her. So I'm going to tell you what Dale told me that he would tell you. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where, where our text is today, in this charge to the grandparents, I want to give you just a short thought. Um, reading with me in verse two and 1 and 2, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, and that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. If you follow verse 2, it says that the responsibility of the parents is also the responsibility of the grandparents, that we would do them, that we would teach them to our sons, and we would teach them to our sons' sons. This, this is a, these are three chairs, you might say. The chair that I sit in, the chair that my child sits in, and the chair that my child's child sits in. We are only one generation removed from forgetting God and all that he has said. If that faith is not passed along from one generation to the next. And so a few words to say is one challenge I would give to the grandparents or one exhortation is that grandparents have a God-given role with the next generation that is centered around the transmission of faith. That is to say that God has ordained that our job as parents are not over when they move out. That he has given us a lifelong job to teach our children and their children's children. So I wanna give you a few points from this passage really quickly for grandparents. First of all, how do we transmit our faith in three ways? First of all, you must walk with God as grandparents. Um, Deuteronomy 6.2 says that you may fear the Lord. In verse five, if you look down, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You can't pass along what you do not have. Our first responsibility, and that goes as if you're a spouse or a minister or a parent or a grandparent, is always the same. To tend your own walk with God, that it be fervent toward God, vibrant and life-giving. We put our own oxygen mask on first before we can give it to anybody else. When you walk with God, they are watching. They're watching you sing, and they're watching you pray, and they're watching you read his word. So the second thing in this passage to grandparents is to be present. He says here that when we walk with our children and our grandchildren, when we stand up and when we sit down and when we eat or when we go in and out, we should teach them what God has told us. 
Love is a four-letter word that is spelled T-I-M-E. Now, this is easy for the Jewish people in those days who were living in tents, and they were probably living multi-generationally in the same house. But what do you do today when kids move to the other side of the country and the other side of the world? I took my parents' grandchildren um, to the other side of the world for almost 20 years, and we just came back a few months ago. And this is where the third point comes in, is to be intentional with the time that you do have. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 through 9 says, you shall teach them when you walk and when you sit. Now, I want to highlight a few verbs here in this passage. It says that we should teach them. It says that we should talk to them. And then further on, down in verse 8, it says, you shall bind the words of God as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Finally, he says that we should write them on our doorposts of our house and on our gates. So these are verbs that require intentional action. And as grandparents, the Lord has given you a role to transmit faith. To do that, it must require intentionality. It must it require some verbs to prepare something. Maybe you only get one visit a year with your grandchildren. At one point, my parents had four children. They still have four children. But one of them had taken their grandchildren to Morocco, another to Germany, and a third to Italy. And that was, they only had one that stayed near home. What are they to do with this command to transmit faith from one generation to the next? It takes intentionality to, be, to, to do these things, to um, teach and to pass on faith with the time that God gives you. I can say that those um, 15 years that my kids, or almost 18 years since my son lived outside of the country, that I've seen grandparents make a major impact on lives of their children from the grandchildren from the other side of the world. The good news is to conclude this charge to the grandparents is that this is not a burden to be carried. In fact, this is a great relief that our reason for existence is not over as parents, but will continue as long as you have children and grandchildren. That you are not relegated to walk some beach and pick up shells for your, the rest of your life in Florida, but you have a vital role in the lives of your grandchildren. This is a life-giving purpose. It is a high calling. This says that your usefulness and your vital role will continue. I would like now to go to Psalm chapter 85. Um, Dale was going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with us today. And I want to go to Psalm 85 to give a charge to the church. I said a few words to grandparents, and I want to talk to the church briefly about what this commitment of these children means for us. These parents are bringing their children to the Lord today, but really it is an agreement between them and the church that we would teach their children, these children that God has given us. So I want to give you a few things. First of all, to care for one another's kids as if they are our own, to show hospitality, to disciple as if they were our own children. In Psalm 85, the psalmist writes this, uh, this song to the Lord, and we've lost the tune, so we don't know what it sounds like. But we can feel the heart in Psalm 85, and I want to read a few verses here in verse 1 through 3. The psalmist writes, Lord, you were favorable to our land, you restored the fortunes of Jacob. 
You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from hot anger. As a church, our first responsibility is to teach these children about who God is and what he's done. This is a role of educating them about our common story and our common history of what God has done for us and how good he has been to us. If you look at these three verses, the person who wrote this, how did he know what God had done? How did he understand that God had forgiven sin and that he had withdrawn his wrath and his anger because of the sin of his people? It had to have been passed down from generation to generation. This common story that we hold that goes back to Abraham, the father of faith, is to be passed along because of the community of faith. You'll notice in this psalm that these are plural words. All of them are talking about us and ours. Faith is not a private thing the way Americans like to think about it. Faith is a community as we follow God together. So we commit, parents, to educating your children about the story of God and his people. Secondly, the thing that we commit to as a church is that we commit to being a community of confident prayer. Look at what the psalmist says here in verse 4. He says, Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? Um, that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Um, look at what they were asking together of God, that he would restore them, that he would put away anger, that he would revive them, that he would show his love and that he would save. Together as a community, our prayer is to be confidently asking God based on our knowledge of who he is, that he wants to forgive and he wants to be with us. So as a church, parents, we commit to you to prayer for your children and prayer together for our community. Our commitment today, our dedication, is a dedication to confident prayer. Finally, to the church, our dedication is one of corporate worship. Um, in verse, skipping verse 8 real quick, we're going to go back to that. In verse 9, the psalmist writes, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace, and, and peace kiss each other. Righteousness and peace. How would righteousness and peace kiss? On the cross of Jesus Christ. So steadfast love and faithfulness meet, meaning that on the cross of Jesus, the righteousness of God and his faithfulness toward us was proven. So as we sing to the Lord, as we've already sang three songs together, we sing to the God who saves. We sing to our Father who has already proven his steadfast love to us. This word steadfast love is one of my favorite Hebrew words. It's the word chesed, and it is God's love that never ends and that never fails. So we as a church commit with you for your children to worship the Lord together in passionate praise for the cross of Jesus. Now, finally, I want to give a charge to the parents. We have today the parents of Roran Williams, Matt and Alyssa. We have Joe and Sydney who are bringing Walker to us. So I want to ask if you could, if it's a good time for the parents to come to the front row. Uh, we also have Dustin and Carly bringing Alistair and Kent and Aubrey who are bringing Sophia.
and Luke to be dedicated to the Lord. So uh, this charge is going to be directly at the parents and for the parents. And we're going to take our charge from Acts or from Psalm chapter 85 and in verse 8. Um, each of you have received a, uh, a about an eight or nine um, bookmarks. Could I see one of those real quick? Cindy and Sharon have made these bookmarks that have each of the children's name on them, along with Psalm 85 and verse 8. And this is to be put, I asked each family to give one of these to one man in the church, one to one woman, and one to one single person, a young person in our church. So if you received one of these, would you raise it for me so I can see who you are? Raise it real high. Thank you so much. And one of the grandparents as well, family members, I asked them to do that as well. Okay. So, um, and when Joe and Sydney, there you are. Did you get yours? Did you pass them out? Did you decide who to give them to? Could you go do that right now? Because I'm going to ask them to pray for you and for your children. So whoever you've already decided to give them to, the people who are preordained will be receiving these. Okay. Um, these bookmarks are going to be a prayer commitment from your family and from your church as they keep it in their Bibles to pray for the name of the child that's on this, on this bookmark. Um, if you did not receive a bookmark, it does not mean that you should not pray, but it is a phys physical representative and reminder to a few specific people that you have been honored today by these parents, and they're asking you to covenant with them to pray for their child as they grow. As their bodies grow strong, their bones grow long, and their muscles grow strong, you are to pray, and they're asking you to pray that their spirit and their soul would grow as their body does. And so that's what these are for, and I'm gonna have you in a minute come forward and pray for laying hands on these parents and praying for their children. Um, as a charge to the parents, I think we're still missing a couple. Kent, could, would you mind, if you, is it okay? You can also stay if it's better for the kids, but if you can, it'd be great if you come forward, so we're gonna pray for you all in a second. As a charge to the parents, there is so much to teach a new baby that comes into the world, it's overwhelming, isn't it? We have to teach them to walk. Good job, Sophia. <laughs> we have to teach them not to pee in an electrical outlet. I actually heard about that this week happening. We have to teach them to stay committed to Detroit sports by faith and not by sight. <laughs> we have to teach them to look both ways. We have to teach them all sorts of things for their safety, most of all, we have to teach them about God. Now, because parents, this is so overwhelming to you of how much you have to teach them, I wanna give you just two things that are foundational things to teach your children. If you do these two things well, then you will be the window or the lenses by which your children can see and understand God. The reality and the humbling and the fearful thing is when a baby comes into this world, they experience who God is through you. Jesus, when he told us to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. So as we pray to our heavenly Father, our children experience God through a heavenly Father, or an earthly Father and an earthly mother before they ever know their heavenly Father. This is a huge responsibility, and it's one we need much, much help and grace for. Our prayer as parents, and I have three children, 
is that we would be the kind of parents that they would not have to get past our bad example, but they could see God through our example in order to know him. And that's what our prayer is today. So I want to give you two things from Psalm 85 that is on this, prayer, on this uh, bookmark to teach your children. And the two things are this, grace and authority. Paul Tripp taught me this years ago, and it's been something that I've carried with me for many years. Grace of God and the authority of God. Grace and authority are like two keys on a, key, on a piano that are played in harmony. Grace and authority are like two wheels that keep us going straight as they're pointed in the same direction. As a mother and a father, these are our two main things that we want our children to know. I want to look at this verse, and I'll show you where I see this. In verse 8, he says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. And this is what we want to listen. What does God speak? What does God say when he speaks? The first thing is he speaks a word of grace. Look what he says here in verse 8. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. Why would God speak peace to us? What would we expect the answer from God to be if he were to speak to us and we were to hear his voice? Well, we might expect judgment. We might expect that he would notice all of our shortcomings and all of our failures as parents or as children, and we might assume that he would speak condemnation. The confidence here in verse 8 is this, for he will speak peace. Because God is gracious, because his steadfast love endures forever, because he is faithful, because of who he is, he speaks peace to your children. When Jesus faced the storm, he said to the waves and the wind, peace, be still. When the angels announced the coming of Jesus, they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What did Jesus tell his disciples the last night he was with them? He said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. What did Jesus say is the reason he spoke to us. He said, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. The good news of Jesus is also called the good news of peace. How does God start Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all may the God of peace and grace be with you. God's word ministers peace because of the grace of God. So endeavor in your homes that they be places of peace, that they be full of grace for your children's failures because you have experienced the grace of God in your own life. May your children know the graciousness of God in all of its heights and breadth and depth because of the grace that you give them. Practicing, practice bending God's grace given to you out towards your children in your home. Secondly, look what he says here in verse 8. But let them not turn back to folly. This is authority. A child released into the world who does not understand authority is a dangerous thing. He's a danger to himself and he's a danger to society. A parent's job is to show their children that it is folly to disobey proper authority. What is the rule of punishment or, or um, 
correction. When a child is small and pitches a fit or stomps his foot or says no to his parents, it is not to hurt the child or to, for the ch parent to take out anger on the child, but it's so that the child will grow to understand authority because God, the beginning of wisdom with God is to fear him. That's the beginning of wisdom. There are sometimes, though, for us parents, there are aims or goals in our lives that our society has that misses God, a godly home. And there, I want to mention three of them. Aims of an ungodly home for our children are number one, success, number two, safety, and number three, happiness. Let me just tell you why real quick. Success is an American idol. We want our children to achieve it is our calf of gold. Our children push themselves to appear successful for their parents. They can't experience grace and they can't experience peace because they can't admit failure. And because of that, Psalm 85 is all about coming to God with our sin and our failure. If we idolize success in the lives of our children, then they can't experience the grace of God. Secondly, we idolize safety in our country. Safety is our most natural idol as parents. God gives us an infant that can't take care of its, him or herself, and we want to keep it safe. This is a God-given instinct that we must use. However, God has called us to radical obedience, to follow him and his authority. Over and over, we can see that obedience to God is going to be risky. Consider the words of Jesus when he said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As parents, the day that our child is born into the world, we begin little by little to let go. And we learn, or must learn, to let them follow God. When we dedicate our children to the Lord, we are doing a very risky and radical thing because God calls us to carry our cross. That is simultaneously, however, the only safe thing to do. Like a parent passing a child from a sinking boat to somebody standing in the life raft, it is the thing that must happen to protect our children, is to give them to the good hands of God and his will. In a second, we're going to have a covenant for the parents, and the parents will say that they will commit to encouraging their children to follow Jesus, even if it's dangerous. Finally, our culture makes God out of happiness, yet happiness remains elusive. Our desire for a happy home means that we can't face our failures and we can't let our children face their failures, and they can't find grace. So making happiness the ultimate end stands in the way of following God many times. So seek God. Get to know him. In his presence, you will find fullness of joy forevermore. So in conclusion to the parents dedicating your child today, you are dedicating yourself to teach them two things, grace through your gracious posture toward them, and authority to teach them that God is the ultimate authority of all men as he is the authority of his, his or her parents. So to conclude, we're going to sing um, a song together called Take My Life and Let It Be. And this song is going to be the beginning of our prayer time. If Hannah wants to come and Tim, they're going to play for us. This is, an, this is a fairly old song. I remember singing as a kid when I grew up. Take my life and let it be. 
consecrated, Lord, to thee. We're going to sing a few verses of it, and then we're going to have a prayer time, prayer in song right now, and then prayer together as a church body as we pray for each child. So let's pray together and, and uh, give our lives to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word that is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And Lord, we want to give to you these children in our own lives right now as a consecrated thing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.